You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, we are continuing our our Lenten season, uh, our our Lenten series called Closer to God. And the idea was we're going to have these conversations and, and some of these conversations will be uh, distinct from the other ones. They, they won't necessarily be similar. Uh, they'll be unique. We, we start off talking about the Holy Spirit and then uh, and, and the role of the Holy Spirit and, and, and how Jesus said that, that it is better for us that Jesus go away so that we can enjoy closeness with God through the Holy Spirit, that we will have power to live the Christian life and the question that we wrestled with, the big question that we wrestled with was, is that part of our experience? And I said, for me, no. And so I've been in the season of really pursuing the Holy Spirit. Uh, while, while we're reading through the book of Acts, every time I come up to the Holy Spirit, I circle his name. And then I write in the margins what I see him doing. I want to study him like I studied my wife, like I've studied our children to know them, like I've learned my best friend. I want to study the Holy Spirit and know who he is and what he's about because the scripture should define who he is, right? And what our experience should look like. So we talked about that. Uh, then Logan talked about the, the, the great exercise of silence and solitude, he started off uh, with two minutes of silence up front. He asked a question and then just went silent and we all stared at each other and made faces and it was beautiful. Um, Logan has been practicing uh, during Lent, uh, silence and solitude, two hours a day. Uh, not all in one time, but two, typically two separate times, but he's He's learning a lot about silence and solitude and hearing God's voice in the midst of that. And then last week we talked about spiritual disciplines and uh, man, having Billy here was fantastic. That young man, uh, we've watched him grow up, but he used to be in our household all the time, uh, hanging out with our kids. And uh, when they were all kids, high schoolers, but kids, you know what I'm saying. And he has definitely grown into just a fantastic young man and just to hear how God is shaping him and how uh, looking through the lens of God shaping him through spiritual disciplines and what that can mean for us. I thought that was a great conversation last week. This week, we want to talk about, uh, actually, uh, Al set us up really well. How do I know God is speaking to me? How do I know that was God. Have you ever wrestled with that question? Was that God or was that the pizza (laughs) that I had three weeks ago? (laughs) Betting it was God. Um, It's a a great question. And now says, we don't always talk about this. Sometimes we don't talk about this enough, especially for the folks that are just learning what it means to follow Christ, this is an important conversation about how do I know that that, that that was God? I, uh, with the weather warming up and the, and the days getting longer, and especially daylight saving, the only thing I like about that is it's brighter longer at night. So I like that part. If we could never change the clock again, that would do my heart good. And my rest. But as it's been warming up, I've been thinking about six-year-old Rob. See, when I was six years old, it was the first time that I got to ride my bike in the evening time without my parents being right by my side. Do you remember that moment as a kid? The freedom. Woo! 
Ooh, look, mom, no hands. Um, look, mom, no brains. Um, I, there was one stipulation. There was one rule. If my dad came out and, 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 and yelled for me, I had to come home. Rob, come in. I had to hear, I had to pay attention. I had to come home. Uh, do you think that worked out all the time? No, I was distracted. I went too far. I uh, was inside someone's house and I wasn't supposed to be like all kinds of problems. Um, and whenever that happened, I, I learned my lesson because my parents would, would discipline me. And so there'd be a week without being able to have that freedom. So I learned to tune my ear to my dad's voice. Not, it's not like I didn't know his voice, but I started paying attention. I started cluing in to that sound. I, I, I learned my dad's voice over the other voices, all the, all the other dads out there yelling for their kids. Nope, I can ignore that one. That wasn't my dad. Nope, that, that was dad. I need to respond. I think... For me as a Christian, I've, I've, I've had to learn to tune my ear to the voice of God. It's one of the things that I'm called to. It's one of the things that I have to, no one's going to do it for me. You guys don't, you call me up. Hey, Rob, are you paying attention to God speaking? You know, I don't get those phone calls. Maybe you should. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should have that conversation. That's next week's conversation. Uh, that'll be... Um, but a starting place, I think, for us is that we have to understand that God wants to speak to us. We desire to be closer to God. And guess what? God desires to be closer to you. He desires intimacy with you. And communication, conversation is part of that intimacy. So we have to know that's true. And I think the scriptures bear this out. We see a relational God. We see conversations take place in a lot of different ways, a lot of different forms. Uh, Hebrews 1, 1 says this, that, that God would talk to us. He communicated to us in a lot of different ways. So it, it, it's going to be different. It might be different for you than for me. We'll talk about that here in but he desires to be close to you. And we see in scriptures that, that it's not just us in the 21st century that wrestle with, was that God? I want to go to uh, uh, 1 Samuel 3, or at, least, or at least highlight the conversation. Um, Samuel is a boy. He's serving before the Lord, he's, he's serving under the high priest, Eli. And we're told in 1 Samuel chapter 3 that the word of the Lord was rare in those days and visions were infrequent. Does that describe our time? Does that describe our existence? Maybe. We're told that Samuel and Eli, that they slept near the Ark of the Covenant, that we're not it sounds a little strange. I don't think that's, this is pre-temple. This is before Solomon's temple, right? Um, and we're told that the Lord called to Samuel three times. Now, the first two times, Samuel runs into Eli and he says, you called me? And like every parent ever, son, get back in the bed. You know, I didn't call you. Can I get an amen? That happens. So the first, first two times, Eli's like, dude, go back to bed. The third time, Eli senses that he's actually hearing from the Lord. That Samuel's not just being uh, a capricious young boy. It's the Lord's voice. And, and in this story, I think we learned a few things. First of all, God is patient with us when we're learning his voice. 
God is patient. It's, it, it's going to be new. It's going to be new for everybody. But once we know it, obedience is our response. God is very patient when we're learning things. Uh, I wasn't always patient as a dad teaching my kids. I just wanted them to go from zero to fully functional in the shortest period of time possible. Can I get an amen, Josh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, uh, God, God's way more patient than Rob. Way more patient. Um, so here's the second thing. Um, we all start out as spiritual infants in this area. We all start out not knowing how to communicate with God. It's the most basic thing. You ask someone to pray out loud and you'll cause, you'll cause people that can, you know, face death and, and mother-in-laws and, and, and all that, but they'll sweat bullets because you ask them to pray. Mother-in-laws, I know, I know it's not the mother-in-laws in here. <laughs> but like... So, uh, we all start as spiritual inference. We all start not knowing the voice of God. And, we, and, and it's a language we have to learn. It's a spiritual language. We have to learn the voice of God. Um, number three, learning God's voice is best done in community. It's best done in community. Samuel needed an Eli. Now, was Eli the best guy in the world? No, as a high priest, he kind of flunked. But he knew things, he knew more than, than Samuel did. We need each other. We were created for community. Relationship with God has always been about community. Best done in community. Now, I'll say this. Community doesn't always get it right when you do actually hear from God. Community doesn't always get it right. So we have to, that, that's a reality. Um, and then finally, we hear from God in different ways. Al shared a vision, a dream, a, a something. I have never had that happen like that for me. I've watched my wife experience that, not, not in the moment, but I, I've known God to speak to her through dreams, and he's never spoken to me through dreams. Uh, I'm a lot more like Spock. <laughs> he's spoken to me in, in, in other ways, in ways maybe that he hasn't spoken to her. It, that's okay. There's reasons. Guys, we're, we're designed differently. My four kids communicate with me in four distinct ways. So different. Sometimes maddening. Super cool. All at the same time. Um, our love languages are different. Our communication styles are different. You know, some of you all don't respond to my text messages. You require a phone call. Some of you all don't know what a phone call is nor an email, <laughs> smoke signals, that's, that's the answer. We, we communicate differently. We just do, we have our communication preferences. I'm early and often. My wife is sometimes. <laughs> well, sometimes that, I don't always answer her questions. That's, uh, <laughs> she asks questions I don't always answer because I've answered them in my head and <laughs> internal processor stuck. Um, but I have said to my wife that if I was about ready to die, she's not the person I'm going to call. Because she probably isn't going to answer. Not because I don't love her, <laughs> but because she's probably not going to, like she's like, if there's, Five people of my family in the same room, three phone calls is the average to get somebody to answer. <laughs> that's, that's the average. 
Joy's the only one who likes phone calls. Yeah, yeah, she loves phone calls. Jake and Josh, they'll get there before mom. <laughs> We're different, guys. And then sometimes God communicates to us different because he is, we're in a different season. We're in a different season. Now, I used to worry about the fact that, wow, God's talking to my wife one way and me another way. Like, am I defective? Like, honestly, I never thought she was defective, but I, but I always, like my starting point with anything is, what is wrong with me? When it comes to God, my starting place is, why am I so broken? But here's the reality. God is patient with us when we're learning his voice. And he's going to talk to us the way he designed us. Because he knows us. And so maybe we should just celebrate the fact that we hear him differently. Uh, Mark Batterson talks about seven ways we hear the voice of God in his book called Whisper. And uh, Mark is a brilliant man, so I'm going to use his outline for uh, these two weeks. So we're going to spend some time today talking about uh, desires, dreams, and doors, and scriptures. Scriptures, desires, dreams, and doors. And uh, next week, we'll talk about people, promptings, and pain. But let's jump into this conversation about scriptures. Mark calls scriptures the, the key of keys. When you look at a map, there's, there's always a key on the map. Everything that we understand about God's voice has to stand up to the scriptures. Has to. Second uh, Timothy 3.16, we're told this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It's breathed out by God. This is his voice to you and to me. This is his very first voice to you and to I. Second Peter says this, but know first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. This is why we need community. We need, we need each other to make sure that we're not coming to the scriptures with our own bias, that coming to God's voice with our, own, with our own bias. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. If I were ever to be a prophet, It'd be because of God's Holy Spirit. Only because of the work of God's Spirit in my life. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So, so the Holy Spirit is involved, was involved in, in, the, in, in all the scriptures. When the, when the scriptures went from, from some person's heart to, well, cha-ching, cha-ching. I don't know what they were doing back then. Um, Moses was probably swinging a hammer. And man, that's why he was up there for 40 days. That's a lot of, that's a lot of chiseling. Um, but when, once, you know, pen to paper, all that happened through the agency of the Holy Spirit. Nothing that we read in our Bible is man made up. It's God's voice to you and I. Uh, the author of Hebrews says this, for the word of God is living and active. Living and active. Have you noticed that? I have read some passages a thousand times over and, it, and God has still spoken to me that thousand time. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intention of Rob's heart. I have proved this verse over, over and over and over again. This is true. This is true. Here's what Mark Batterson says. 
The Holy Spirit was involved on both sides of the equation. He was involved when, when the scriptures were written and he's involved when you sit down to engage with the scriptures. He says it better than I said. Um, he says that we don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us. It's the voice of God in our lives. And, and, and the scriptures is the primary voice in our lives. Guys, if we didn't, if I wasn't a church pastor and if we didn't have life transforming groups, I would still open up my Bible every day so I could hear from my God. I don't just do this because I think it's important for you to do. I do this because I have a desperate need to hear the voice of God. And whether you read it or, or you listen to it, because some days I'll, I'll, I'll turn on my Bible app and, and I'll let someone else read it to me. It's good stuff. It's the voice of God. This is the primary way God communicates with us. And if we're saying, I just don't hear from God, then let's have a conversation about what your time with the scripture looks like because I wonder what's, what's in the way. Now, is every time I sit down with the scriptures, like, start, you know, sparks and, you know, amazing and, no, sometimes it's just, yep, I still need to do that. Yep, I still do that. Yep, he is still that good. I mean, that's, sometimes it's that, that exciting, but I still need it. I still need him. We need his voice. We don't interpret the scriptures via our desires, our dreams, and our doors. We interpret desires, dreams, and doors through the scriptures. All the other ways that we're going to talk about God's voice this week and next week, we always interpret those experiences through the scriptures. We have to do that every time. And again, this is why community is so important because we could come, we could come to a problem. We could come to, uh, we could, we could bring our own ego into the equation. We could bring our own prejudice into the equation. We need each other to go, are you sure? Or sometimes we need each other to go, absolutely, absolutely. So that's the scriptures. First and foremost, that's how we hear the voice of God. Uh, we also hear the voice of God. God speaks to us through desires. God-given desires. Now, sometimes as Christians, we, we spend too much time wrestling over whether or not our desires are evil or, or good. And, and, and we have a tendency, I think, to uh, lean towards assuming that our, our desires are wrong, they're sinful, they're, they're out of balance. Um, but psalmist says this in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's me as a little kid tuning my ear to my father so that when he called me, I, I responded. My dad just wanted to make sure I was safe, right? He wanted to know that I was okay. That's why he had that restriction. That's why he called me. That's why he used his voice. I was, I was, when I delighted myself as a, as a boy, as I delighted myself in my dad's voice and responded and trusted that him calling me wasn't a bummer. Oh, dad, always call me in so early. You know, we've been there. We've, we've, we've said those things. And we've watched our kids do it, and we'll watch our grandkids do it, right? Again, amen. <laughs> All kinds of conversations going on. Um, as we delight ourselves in the Lord, 
our desires start to match God's design. As we delight ourselves in him, our desires start to match God's design. But also, I believe that God puts new desires in us. And that's what we're going to spend most of our time talking about. God puts new desires in us. And we're like, oh, that's crazy. How do I, you know, like Moses at the burning bush, how in the world am I going to do that? Right? New desire. Um, I think we'll see through, through Moses, though, that oftentimes we, we must grow into our God-given desires. There's some God-given desires that we have to grow into. Acts chapter 7 captures this the best. Uh, Stephan is, is giving uh, a sermon, a brilliant sermon, by the way, absolutely brilliant. Um, but we're told in verses 23 through 25 this, but when he, Moses, was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind. Oh, it entered his mind. Maybe a God-given desire uh, to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. And we saw one of them being treated unjustly. He defended him and took vengeance for the press by striking down the Egyptian. And he, being Moses, supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. See, I think, I believe that Moses had this God-given desire to lead the people of Israel. And Moses wasn't ready for it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had a God-given desire and you weren't ready for it? Or, or you watched someone else. God gave them a God-given desire and you're like, yep, I can see that, but not today, buddy. Again, that's why we need community. That's why we need people around us. And then we're told 40 years later in Acts 730, uh, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning thorn bush. God placed this desire in Moses, but God knew that Moses would need time to mature. So he sent him to the desert. He sent him to solitude. Again, amen, Logan. <laughs> I... I'll get there. Um, some caution signs. These are some things that, uh, that uh, Mark Batterson says when it comes to uh, uh, God-given desires. First of all, check your ego at the door. Our God-given desires are not to make our name great. Our God-given desires are, are to make God's name great. When we wrestle over whether or not our name should be great, it's, real, it, it's revealing that we still have some maturing to do. Number two, if you want it too much, you might want it for the wrong reasons. Not that you shouldn't want it, but again, maybe this is a sign that there's some maturing that God wants to take you through. Number three, emotion is a great servant, but a terrible master. Emotion is a great servant, but a terrible master. Our emotions tell us things. It, it communicates, hey, something's not right. I don't know why it's not right. Uh, oftentimes, the assumptions we come up with, what we think is actually wrong are, are incorrect. Uh, if you want more information on that, uh, um, Changes That Heal by uh, Dr. Henry Cloud is, is, is uh, it's not a short read, but it's a great book. Um, Moses trying to deliver Israel through the use of his hands. If Moses had succeeded in rallying the troops at age 40, what would have happened to the people of Israel? It would have been a bloodbath. How many of the people of Israel died 
40 years later because of Moses' leadership. We're told none of them. We're told none of them. His techniques, his tactics were unspiritual. His techniques, his tactics were based upon his own strength, his own might, which, which Stephen says he was a man of mighty in, in words and deeds. So it wasn't like he, he didn't have strength and, and wisdom and might. He had those things. But they were unspiritual responses. And then Mark Bashan also says, one key to discerning whether desires God ordained is deciphering whether it waxes or wanes over time. Um, or, and, I, and, I, and I'm adding this, or comes back with a vengeance. Because I've had some God-given desires that waned over time, but I just really honestly couldn't walk away from it. It waned for a season because I kind of gave up. I lost hope. I really thought there's no way God could use this chump. And, and so I tried to walk away from it. Like Moses in the desert. Like, how do you get any farther away than the desert leading sheep? Who knew that 40 years of leading sheep in the desert would teach you how to lead people in the desert for 40 years, right? So those are God-given desires. These are, these are ways that God speaks to us. And, and God, is, God has spoken to me through, through desires. But let's talk about God-given dreams. And again, I've never had this happen for me. So... This is all empirical data <laughs> from my perspective. Um, but Mark says this, if we believe God is the one who designed the human mind, what would lead us to believe that he wouldn't speak to us through all its component parts? If we believe God is the one who designed the human mind and know that the, the, the brain is divided in two, right? You got the left, you got the right. I think I got that correct. Yeah, left, right? Military left, military right. Um, the left brain is a locus for thought. Guess where Rob likes to operate out of? The right brain is the locus for imagination. Now, now those of us that operate over here on the left-hand side, I, we can sometimes look at some of the dreams that people come up with and go, <laughs> I don't know what you've been smoking, right? This is Montana. We wonder, but if God created us, created all of that, um, the patriarchs, Jacob has his dream of Bethel. Joseph has his dream. Uh, some of the maybe best recorded dreams ever are found in the book of Ezekiel. If you want to have a wild time, <laughs> read that book. Uh, even the, you know, the valley of, of dry bones, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. Man, all the dudes in the room are like, yeah, I'm gonna go to the, I want to see that movie, <laughs> right? Uh, he caused me to pass among them round about and behold, there, was a very, there were very many on the surface of the valley and lo, they were very dry. They'd been there for a season. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? <laughs> I love his response. Uh, oh, Lord God, you know. <laughs> I'm not ready for this test yet. Don't, don't, don't. This is one of the uh, more calmer visions that Ezekiel has. Uh, some of his visions within uh, the, the temple room, the, the throne room of the Lord are just wild. And I, and I really think that he's doing the best to describe the undescribable. He's using uh, infant language to describe things that are beyond 
this world. Pretty cool. Uh, the early church had their dreams. Saul had his vision. Ananias had his vision. And because Ananias responded, uh, we have half of the New Testament, right? Ananias uh, went to Saul and, uh, and Saul received the Holy Spirit and became a Christ follower. Uh, Cornelius the, the centurion, he had one vision. Uh, Peter had the same vision three times. I'm more like Peter. I need things given to me three times before I go. Um, but because of that, those men responding to their visions, their dreams, you and I, the Gentiles, have been invited into this salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul, nope, Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2 in his sermon quotes Joel t chapter 2 and says this, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Peter's talking to people that are about ready to say yes to Christ for the first time. This, this, this statement is for you and it's for me. God speaks through dreams, through visions, because he wants to communicate with us. He wants to be close to us. Now, Mark Battison uh, gives us some, some tests uh, that we should pay attention to when it comes to dreams. Is, was that God? First of all, God-given dreams won't contradict scripture. We've already said that, but we'll keep saying it. They won't contradict scripture. Um, the meaning of dreams isn't always immediately discernible. In fact, I think dreams and, uh, and desires are oftentimes more of a long game. Like we see in, the, in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 10 where these visions, uh, there's immediate response. But, but many times these visions and dreams it takes a while to even have an understanding of what's being said. Why, why am I being told this? Uh, Lauren Cunningham in his book, uh, Making Jesus Lord, talking about uh, how YWAM was started, talked about this vision, this dream that God gave him. Is, is, it, he was looking at this map and he saw pictures of, of, of youth flowing onto she shores, you know, and, and like Lauren's trying to figure out, what does this mean? YWAM is a very unique way of doing ministry within the world. And it's because of a dream given to him by God. Number three, if you want to establish God's reputation, you might have to risk yours. Think about the two stories that I mentioned, Ananias going to Saul. Saul was persecuting the church. And Ananias has that conversation in the dream with the Lord. And he says, Lord, he's, he's here to kill me. He's here to put me in jail. He's persecuting your church. In order to establish God's reputation, Ananias had to risk his own. Peter and Cornelius Peter in particular, Peter had to risk his reputation. We're going we're gonna to read Acts chapter 11 this week in care group. Because oftentimes when God leads us to something, community initially goes, wait a minute, I see problems here. God's going to have to show up. This is big. You're not that big. Or do you have problems? Do you know your problems? And uh, that was the case in Acts chapter 11. So if you want to establish God's reputation, you might have to risk yours. So that's, that's desires and dreams. Let's talk about doors. I'm going to try to do this quickly. 
doors, I, I believe, are the gateway between uh, us actually moving forward on a desire in the dream. We currently have a closed door when it comes to childcare in Missoula. I'm still praying about childcare because there's a thousand kids on a waiting list. That's a thousand families, roughly. It's called 700 families that are greatly impacted by childcare, by the fact that their family is limited through access and the cost of childcare. So, so I still think that the, that the church, I've, when we were looking around going, what, what is it that we could do as a church long-term childcare? I, I looked at the other churches and going, man, lo- churches are doing a lot of great things. I don't want to repeat what they're doing because they're, I just want to come alongside them. I want to support them. I want to enable them, but we should, we should do our thing. Uh, we have our 501c3 letter from the IRS this week. I did some praying this week. I'm like, Lord, I've got equipment. I've got 501c3. kind of need a building. So far, we've had a closed door. Doors are God's deal. That's his deal. Faithfulness is ours, right? Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, had, had a closed door for, for a long season for going to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome in a very particular way. And he was told, nope, not now. Wait. He wanted to go there to share the gospel firsthand, to be the first one on the scene. When he, when he got there, there's all, there's all kinds of Christians. The church was already established. God had a different, different dream, desire different role, different responsibilities, different response for Paul than Paul had for himself. It was a closed door. When, when the door got opened up later, Paul walked through it faithfully. And because of that, we have about half of the New Testament. Because Paul waited for an open door, we have about half the New Testament that gives us great understanding on not only the voice of God, but how to live as Christians. Joseph. Well, let me say that Moses had a desire, right? He had the desire to, to uh, lead his people out of Egypt. And he had a closed door at age 40, he had an open door at age 80. Joseph had a dream and he had a closed door, quite literally a a jail door. (laughs) Until Genesis 41, Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. So we don't always get literal doors. Joseph did. Pretty cool guy. Um, my open door, I had a a desire, a dream to, to go into the ministry, um, 20 long time ago. Um, man, we've been married 26 years. So it's been 27, 28 years ago. And the door got closed on me pretty quickly within a few years. I went full-time military in 1996. I was part-time up to that point, went full-time military. And the entire time I was in the military, I was talking about leaving the military to go into the ministry. I went on mission trips during that time period. Everybody called me pastor. I had friends call me pastor for years. Still closed door. Really confusing, really frustrating, really disappointing at times really challenging. I was not ready by a long shot. I was not ready by a long shot. Mark Batterson gives us five tests that we could question. Is this door, is this open door from God? He says the first one is the goosebump test. Does it cause you to (laughs) 
sweat a little bit? Does it, or does it like make you excited, but also scared all at the same time? That might be an indicator that this is from God. Number two, peace test. I don't know how many times I've gotten my wife about being in ministry within this season going, do you have peace about this? I need her voice too. We, we work together to hear God's voices for our family. Uh, number three, wise counsel test. Man, over and over and over again, I've had to ask people, is this the right season? Is this the right move? Now, sometimes I've had a lot of people tell me no, and some people tell me yes, and I had to decipher between what was going on within my community and why my community had different answers. There's a reality to that. We'll need discernment. We'll need to pray. We'll need to take time. Uh crazy test. Like, does God have to show up? Not, are you crazy? That's, that's a different test. Jen can run that test on you now. She's, she's got her master's in counseling. She can find out and let you know if you are crazy. Um, does God have to show up? My dad used to say that if we could see to the end of a problem, God's not required crazy test. And finally, release from and called to test. Have you been released from whatever your responsibility, whatever you were called to before, have you been released from that in order to be called to this new thing? For me, my, uh, when I was starting the internship and I, and I made that decision to, to walk away from the family business and and pursue ministry full-time. And this was 12 years ago. I don't remember. I lost track. 10 years ago. My, my dad had two cancers. And I was helped running the uh, family business. And my dad, by noon, his battery physically just went to zero. Flashing red. He could not operate. He could not run the business in the afternoon. I'm all set up for, for the internship. We're set up financially. Um, I, all these things squared away by my family. And we're six weeks away from the internship starting. And we got to hire somebody. And I got to train them. And they got to be smart. Because this is a complex, it was a million dollar operation. And I get on my knees. I'm like, Lord, I can't leave my parents. I need your help. The next day, uh, when I was really considering this, next day my dad comes in and goes, oh, by the way, your brother will be here on Monday. He's coming back. Uh, my brother's way better at the transmission shop game than I was. Way smarter. Uh, he's just brilliant, brilliant. Uh, when it, way, way more mechanical than I was. I could, I could fight through it, but I need to be released from my family responsibilities so I could be released to ministry. I can't, I can't save the world and, and neglect my family. God's salvation doesn't work that way. We, we, we take care of our family. Think about your six-year-old self and learning to tune your ear to your dad's voice, to your mom's voice, to that person that was there to love you, care for you, just, just to make sure that you could respond. These are, God wants you to know your voice. And, and I love that Al could share a story this morning. We need to hear 
each other's stories. We need to share our stories. We need to talk more about how God is showing up, how God is putting desires inside of us, and we're, and we're wrestling through what does this mean. Or, or I, I know Barb is, is praying for a door right now. She's got a, this desire that's been there for a long season, and she's wrestled over it a long time, and she's wondering, Lord, when's that door going to open up? Some of you have dreams. We have a dream as a church to reach this community. And we need God. We're going to look forward to those doors. We're going to look forward to the houses for people that, I don't know why, why that house. I don't, I don't know why God is called through his spirit for Al to particularly pray for one house. We'll find out as we open the door, right? As God gives us opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.